Welcome back to another girl chat in the We Suite. We will hear all about the importance of inclusivity in a growing diverse world. Dr. Emily Dixon is another great friend that I met while completing my doctoral degree. She is a part of my sister circle. Dr. Dixon was probably one of the first ladies I met while collaborating on a writing assignment. From the very first start, we were drawn to each other. Maybe it was our shared interest in learning and developing people. We have a natural joy for personality tests and other identity tests that help you learn more about yourself and engaging with others. Uh, So with that, I'll share that my true color is gold, which means detail-oriented and a love for planning. I enjoy security and taking care of others. I enjoy a good bit of structure because obviously super type A if you haven't figured that out by now. Anyway, (laughs) Emily asked me my true color when we first met and hers is blue. She is calm, kind, optimistic. She enjoys people. Um, She loves to make people feel appreciated and she loves for them to return that as well. She believes in mutual trust and understanding. It is not no surprise that she leads in the world of diversity and inclusion as a DNI director at a university. I could go on and on here, Emily, but um, the need to know basics is just that she is a fellow doctor sister who graduated from NSU with me. Her research focus is on experiences of Black millennial student affairs professionals at PWIs within CRT and intersectionality. She is in several honor society. Oh my goodness. So much more that I could say here. Um, But I'll let her tell you a little bit more about herself in just a moment. Um, I couldn't even get in all the achievements, really. uh, But I I would rather everybody just meet you for themselves. Uh, We will be here forever, even even so if I tried. (laughs) I really want to dive into your life's passion and share the importance of the work that you do passionately advocating for those who we would oftentimes call marginalized in the marginalized communities. I'm not certain if that is the most up-to-date terminology, but, you know, you just correct me whenever. But anyway, um, I just want to welcome you, Dr. Dixon. So glad to have you in the wee suite with me, sis. So um, I'm going to get ready to turn it over to you. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. I actually uh, had a birthday on Friday. So. Yes, yes, yes. Happy <laughs> birthday. Thank so, you. You know, this is just kind of this this season for you is just going up and up and up from here. Mm-hmm. We celebrated a birthday, but y'all, she is a fiance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so much happening um, with you right now. And I'm so happy for you. Um, so I will jump into one of the first questions that I have for you. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story and just kind of how you got started in higher education. That's truly kind of my first question for you is just share your story with the ladies that are listening to this and then tell me why DNI. Um, I know that you serve in multicultural affairs and mm-hmm. equity in various areas, but I'll shorten everything I say today by just DNI for yes. the sake of the chat. Um, but how did you get to this point? Just tell us, you know, kind of what led you to this path, or did you even start out that way? And, and was it kind of an organic shift to this, or, you know, did you kind of navigate there from something else? 
Sure. So for me, um, so when I went to um, undergrad and I went to undergrad at um, UNC, go Heels. But I definitely, you couldn't tell me when I started my first year that I wasn't going to be the next, you know, Michelle Obama slash, you know, <laughs> um, my favorite senator at the time in North Carolina was Eva Clayton. Like I, I had ambitions to be an attorney and then turn around and do like political uh, realm and so mm-hmm. then of course you get to undergrad and I started out um, poli sci major because you know um, that's the way I felt like you need to go and mm-hmm. got to I think economics and there was a class on like non-governmental um, organizations and I was done I was like no this isn't it <laughs> <laughs> this mm-hmm. isn't it at all um, mm-hmm. and so then after I graduated, you know, so I kept my second major. My second major was sociology. So I kept that and had a minor in African-American studies and then kind of just, you know, worked for a little bit to try to figure out what what do I want to do next? Um, this was at the same time trying to figure out the master's. Um, mm-hmm. And so I worked at a social work agency for a little while. And of course, that working there told me, you know what, social work isn't for me either. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was while I was working at a photo studio in, that I had started my master's, um, went to Liberty for a master's in business management. And so I was working and just trying to figure out some things. And at the same time, there was a woman that my mom knew. So my mom actually works at uh, East Carolina University. And mm-hmm. the director of the Ladonia Wright Cultural Center at the time, Dr. Melissa Haithcox Dennis, she needed um, a temp. I will say so she needed someone to mm-hmm. fill in while she was trying to get the assistant director solidified all this other stuff um and all she had at the time was an admin but she needed someone that you know could do some planning and so I was her nanny actually before um she asked me to, about being her temp and so she came one day I was watching her son and she was just like I think you could help me out and everything she said if you're willing to I will have a temp position for a year um at Ladonia Wright and you'll be able to do like some programming and some different things around multicultural work Mm. and so that was in 2014 and so you know she just kind of brought me under her and had me mentoring with her and so then of course she got the assistant director position solidified and so we it was a team. It was a team of, you know, very much women of color working together. So, you know, you wow. had Dr. Hay- yeah, was, all four of us were women of color. So we're running this space that is for, you know, underrepresented students and making home for them and all these different things. And so, you know, one of my programs that I just uh, remember, you know, being the pivotal, like, yeah, I could do this work was so part, we did a film series and one of the films was on the Freedom Riders and and mm. so I um, got to meet two of the original Freedom Riders. We brought them to campus. Um, mm. And and that kind of let me know, like, okay, I enjoy this work. I think this is what I want to do mm. or whatnot. And so um, Melissa being a mentor to us and everything, like she mentored myself and the current director of the Cultural Center, Dr. Marissa James, and the assistant director now, Gabrie- Gabriella Lamas, and um she she mentored us and so she knew that um the time was getting ready to end on the contract and so she helped me find a position internal to the institution 
And so went over mm-hmm. to uh, leadership and civic engagement. Um, at the time, it was like volunteer and service learning. And so we did service learning work, leadership work, civic engagement work, things like that. But I wasn't happy. Like I always tried to put in a little diversity piece to it. And I felt like mm-hmm. I couldn't do it with the team at the time because I went completely from a team you know, that was very much about that to a team that was just like, well, I'd just rather focus on the leadership and civic engagement. So that didn't help me any. Um, mm-hmm. And so after a little bit of time there, I moved over to the medical school and worked in diversity affairs there um, for about three years. And so in the middle of working there, you know, seeing some of the inequity that happens at medical school, because, you know, there's always some right story that comes with the inequity but then also you know at the time there was a black men in medicine crisis like the number of black men that were actually becoming medical doctors was on the decrease and everything on the decline Mm -hmm. and um but the black women that were going to medical school was increasing so you know it's support needed there um and seeing them get their doctorate and you know their drive and everything is what pushed me to kind of start applying for mine and um, which is why if anyone reads my dissertation, they actually have a line. The classes that I work with at the medical school, I gave them a line in my acknowledgments because it was them that right, pushed me yeah. to to do that work, um, to continue to fight or whatnot. And so I then apply for different jobs because, you know, the sad part about working in the medical school is you if you don't have the doctorate, you start to feel like you're not able to do something or imposter. And so mm-hmm. we, um, I applied for different jobs and actually ended up with the assistant director job at Bellarmine, the institution I'm at now, um, and mm-hmm. sat in the assistant director role for two years. And then with this uh, 2021, my director actually left um, to be the inaugural director for the Center for DEI for the Chamber of Commerce in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And um, I became the director. Well, interim first, and then I applied to be the permanent. So, yes, yes, yes. You know, so, you know, now I've been in DEI now with, with, between the positions about six years. Um, and even th- within all of this, you know, there was a time before we got our permanent chief diversity officer, I applied to be the interim. Cause I was just like, you know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy this work, this DEI work, mm-hmm. the application of the work. Um, this was my lane because that's why I originally wanted to go to law school was to fight against, you know, social justice and equities and stuff like that. But right. who's, to say, who's to say education can't be that lane as well? And oh, so- girl. Oh, girl. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you have said so much that I I, I would have to call you later. <laughs> I have to call you later. Um. So, oh, my gosh, I, I'm like this is just so this so real i can't even get it out um (laughs) reason for starting this podcast is is honestly your story Mm -hmm. um it's is your story it's my story and i know it's the story of so many women in this world and um the the functionality here is my focus is always women's empowerment and and it started because of what you just said um Mm -hmm. and I honestly, guys listening, I, I've never heard uh, Emily's like whole trajectory. Like this is the first time I'm hearing this. Um, and so it's so surreal and I'm just so in shock right now because um, my path, um, 
was was similar you know like Mm -hmm. I didn't have a linear path at all right where where I was going what I was going to do and what I was charged with in my heart and what I wanted to do at first totally shifted Mm -hmm. um and I don't think it was a bad thing um and in short because we got to get to like the meat of this here and I want to you know, kind of dive into some of those key pieces you just said. But the short piece of it is just that it's okay if your path is not linear. Um, And it's okay if you find what you love in something that does not seem like the traditional way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, it was the, the lens of creativity um, and uplifting people and pouring into people and creativity for me back in the day was to become a, a designer and, and work in fashion design and I, I drew dresses and a lot of mm-hmm. things and even then I was focused on women with drawing dresses and just a lot of things that's another story for my mother to tell but <laughs> uh, I'm listening to you say who's to say that you could not fight for that equality and that justice um, and focus on equity and inclusion. Who's to say that that had to be in like the political arena? Who's to say that can't be the world of education? Mm-hmm. So, and and I felt that same way for me. Who's to say that my creativity and my wanting to uplift people and women could not be in the world of education? And then so my path also happened because of some very influential people mm-hmm. that took me under their wing. People that I didn't see coming. Um, and I won't rehash my whole story because this isn't about me, but um, but I 100% understand. And I think you mentioned her name is Melissa, who kind of guided you. Yeah. And how impactful is that, that around 2016, you know, prior to that, you were kind of trying to um, eliminate by process of elimination, I like to call it, yeah. where you wanted to be for sure. And by the time you navigated through some of those other things, you realized that the police side major went for you, the social work era went for you. And then you just started, you know, sitting for her child. And even that in itself, you were doing something selfless to sit for her child and help Mm -hmm. this this mother who needed help. And then from there, you know, she brought you into a world where she needed some help. She paid it for for you and she pulled you in to serve, you know, the this this great team of women of color. And Mm -hmm. just look at how that birthed where you are today. And so I wanted to kind of just slow it down and talk about that a little bit because it is so important for women to know that we don't just arrive. We are not, you know, people will say stuff like self-made. We're not really self-made at all. I mean, it's, it takes a community. It takes a lot of people for you to sometimes even see in yourself what you see in you, what you don't see in yourself. Right. And so people will say, hey, you really need to be doing this. Have you thought about this? Did you consider this um, or your talent is really strong here? Why aren't you doing that? And you're looking at them like, what are you talking about? And, you know, you talk about that imposter syndrome being in the Mm -hmm. in the world of the medical doctors and feeling like, okay, I want to continue to do great work and move forward. But I feel like I need to have this and this under my belt to make that happen in the arena that I'm in. And, um, you know, same for me, I was working in a university. That's kind of how it goes as well. I I had zero plans of getting a doctoral degree. That that was not the plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that people saw in me and challenged me to do. 
Um, and so I really want to talk about that. And I hope that the women yes. listening get that very, very important piece of your story that by the time you navigated to your path, it was truly kind of an epiphany of coming together with women who were born to do what you mm-hmm. were born to do and pulling you alongside them and lifting you up and giving you honestly that platform to do it, opening right. that door to say, walk through with me um, instead of them walking through the door and, and, and leaving someone else behind. So mm-hmm. I bring women on to this podcast to do just that. I don't work in DNI, but I know somebody who does and I'll put you at the table with them. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, really, I, there's not, that's not even chipping the ice on all the things I want to say about, about your story. We just have to, you and I, girl, we have to get together later and talk oh, yeah. about that. Cause I never heard that. Um, but I want to move on to my next question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, or really us, all of us that's out here, what can you share with us about changing, um, the world in hopes to seek unity, no matter yeah. what our backgrounds are, our heritage, our belief systems, and so forth. Um, in your career, what have you found to be the most useful in being able to unite people? Yeah, I'm gonna say which. Um, before I answer that, I did want to go back because it's crazy. I'll say it yeah. kind of just it just kind of reflected to me about the fact that. I literally have kind of done what Melissa has done for me or whatnot. So um, with the, so I just hired um, the assistant director for my office. So the person that's going to be in my old role and it's what is my work bestie. (laughs) She, you know, she, um, and she's, you know, a young, I was a younger black woman uh, married, uh, has a little girl or whatever. But I've always, I, I said to her, um, probably almost two years ago, I said, if I ever become director, I'm coming for you because I want you to sit in this seat. And, you know, she interviewed for some other things around the institution, but she, I told her, I said, now's the time. I said, if you want to apply for this job, it's for you. And of course, you know, we had a heart to heart conversation about um, making sure that I wasn't going to pick her because we're friends. I said, oh, I'm not. I said, you don't have to worry about that. I said, if you are, if you want it, you'll come through and you'll do it. You'll earn it. And sure enough, she came in and blew us out. I mean, never seen this kind of confidence in her and she landed it. So now I literally have done what Melissa did for me is brought my work bestie who's slightly younger um, than us or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. She'll be, she'll be 30 this year, but she is now going to get to move up, you know, from being an admin to an assistant director. So I was just like, it's crazy how you do that. And I think that's kind of one of those things that I find useful about uniting people Mm -hmm. is, is learning the person, learning the the whole part of the person, the good, the bad, the indifferent or whatever, and what's Mm -hmm. important to them Mm -hmm. or whatnot, because that's the first level of understanding DEI. So like, you know, of course, people have a a thing about critical race theory, but let's let's remove all the stigma and all the things about it and really talk about CRT. And if you look at the base level of it, you know, there's there's storytelling, there's mm-hmm. being an active listener, there's dialogic action, all these different things. And if you're really listening to the stories of the people that are being marginalized and being unheard or whatnot, that's the first step in really being able to change the world and unite people. Oh, because yes. 
yeah, I think that's the thing that people just don't listen to. And I think that's something that, so I saw it even at work um, with my students. So this year, my students decided they wanted to do some artwork. You know, these are students of color. Just talking about how they felt throughout the year, because, you know, here in Kentucky, Breonna Taylor was unfortunately murdered here. And so the two year anniversary was this year. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on. So my students just really wanted to write out how they felt. And they did a beautiful art piece or whatnot. And then, of course, when they come back, somebody has written all over it and torn it down and all these different things. Um, And it hurt them. And so we got in a room together. We did a uh, discussion using the Socratic method and brought those who had, you know, one viewpoint, those who had another viewpoint. And we just talked together. Mm -hmm. And I think in the midst of that, there was some understanding of, you know, why some people may say abolish the police, why it may offend some people who have family that are police members, all these different things. And it just really started with talking and telling the story and making sure you heard. And so I think that's important um, as we're trying to, you know, unite our people and and hear the changing world because the experience is going to be different. Like, even between us, you know, Mm -hmm. we're both Black women, but we have different experiences. Right, right, right. It's so. it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, oh my gosh, I do feel like, first of all, congratulations on being able to pay it forward and, yeah. and promote that uh, young woman. And it mm-hmm. means the world when we're able to do that, because as leaders, you really do pave the way for someone else's trajectory. You really, really do. And mm-hmm. Um, so congrats to you, Em, on that. The other thing is I really like the part about the active listening and um, learning the whole person. Uh, there's so many times where we make snap judgments and and it's innate to who we are as people. We can't help that. We do it. You know, we see somebody, we, we hear somebody speak one time and we make a snap judgment. But in reality, it really does take sitting down and sharing stories and I think Mm -hmm. that's the difference in between you know listening uh to somebody for for a moment and Mm -hmm. making a snap judgment based on appearance or what have you or how they carry themselves and then actually doing the active listening part and sharing stories and having dialogue Mm -hmm. um and something recently happened at my job uh where Mm -hmm. this student that we touched and oh my gosh, you know, I'm emotional. I'm trying not to cry. Uh, <laughs> she came to the office because one of my colleagues is retiring and she just wanted to tell us thank you, honestly. And so she brought us lunch and everything. And um, she was saying that she really needed that, that she really needed to come in, bring us lunch and just talk to us. Right. And she said, we don't do that anymore. And um, and she she's a little bit older. And she said, you know, back in the day, we would, we weren't into all this, you know, digital media, always on the go, always on the move, always in our digital, you know, laptops, our phones, Mm -hmm. just, we engaged with people. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's so important now that we do that because you just never know what somebody's going through and what they're dealing with. And she needed that. And so, you know, we told her, thank you. We appreciate it and everything. And then she stopped dead in the middle of the floor. And you know, this got me. Mm -hmm. And she said, I know what it is. And I looked at her and she said, it's the spirit of God in this place. <laughs> I de- when I tell you, my heart was just like, oh, Lord. I, w- I didn't know she was going to say that. Right. Um, and it just felt like 
that moment in your head when you say, this is why I do it. This mm-hmm. is why I serve students. This mm-hmm. is why I work in higher ed. This is why I do it. And so mm-hmm. I let her know. I said back to her and I said, but you know, you're a blessing to us. You know, us being able to share this moment with you reminds us that we're living in our truth and we're living in our purpose and we're, we're connecting with people, we're helping people and we're doing what we're supposed to do. And so um, it, it was just a, a rewarding moment. And I, mm-hmm. I thought about that when you were talking about just listening and sharing stories because she shared her, when I say her whole story, she shared her mm-hmm. whole story <laughs> and we laughed and we talked and, and it just gave us a different perspective of her. And she, you know, um, I, I, if she listens one day, I, hopefully she's okay with me saying something this, but she's been through the military and she has yeah. anxiety. And so mm-hmm. she deals with a lot of things and, you know, she's just been through a lot. And so it really helps you to really get to know and understand people when you sit back and you listen to them. So, um, I, you know, I commend you for the work that you're doing and trying to make a difference in everyone you touch. And so like, you know, hats off to you, blessings to you um, for being able to pay it forward for somebody and so many others that I know you're touching over there in your offices. (laughs) Okay. Um, So can you also share with us what you're noticing today that is a major challenge regarding DNI? And maybe an idea or two that you have around maybe some research maybe you want to do coming forward mm-hmm. uh, to combat some of these issues. Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, and this is based off of, I think, you know, because this is where the dissertation came from was our <laughs> our story, you know. So uh-huh. I think the thing I'm noticing is we got to start talking about the fact that you know the workplace is so 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 diverse I mean especially in terms of age Mm because there's just not a lot of information out there in terms of age or even multiple identities that go with age Mm because you know that's why I did my dissertation on being a not just a millennial but a black millennial because there's things that we're going to deal with that you know yes every millennial will deal with but there's an extra nuance when you're black and I Mm -hmm. think we really need to start talking about Gen Z and the generation that's going to come after them. Cause I'm thinking about my students and they're so fired up. They're so passionate. And mm-hmm. if the system is not working for them, they just go. There's no question on, Oh, let me stay. I'm loyal to it. It's not serving their, their passion. It's not serving their values. They're going to go right. immediately. Right. And I think we need to be talking about that, especially as it relates to students of color, um, that are Generation Z and everything because they they just are so passionate and so um, wanting to see change and calling out systems. Like, it's been a great thing to see just kind of happen with the students that I have or whatnot. And, you know, um, I'm not necessarily the person that's going to go out there and be on the front lines protesting and things like that, but I'll support my students backwards and forwards. Like, they know if I need to come get them I'll come get them or, you know, yeah. um, we raise money at our institution so that way they could have the protocol, you know, the um, safety things that they needed to go out and protest. So, I mean, yeah. I think we need to be looking more at those generational pieces, but how it's nuanced by like our other identities and especially because um, I know I gave this idea to one of my uh work sisters or whatever because she's um now pursuing her doctorate or whatnot but I I think we also need to look at um the nuances of students that are not just you know um 
a traditional student. We need to be looking at the working professional because that's the story that I even thought about with all of, you know, with us. Right. We're we're working professionals and and we were in school and we were women of color. And in some cases, you know, some of our sisters are, you know, mothers and things like that. I mean, those are stories that need to be told um, because I don't think people think about the extra stress, especially um with everything that happened at the time we were coming through and everything, especially in 2020, because I think about 2020 when we were writing and doing stuff like that, like that was really hard to be a black woman living in a city where a black woman was killed and being a working professional in DEI. And it was just heavy. And so I think we need to see that impact on like, okay, how does this make it harder for us to be students when we have values as black people or as people of color and we're working at the same time? So, you know, I think that's the big one um, yeah. as we're as we're moving forward in um, what does the higher education look like now? Yeah, I'm going to. Um... I'm going to end up having to do a part two with you because there's just so much stuff coming up that I can't even, yeah. I, I just don't too. even have time to hit. But um, uh, so when you talked about looking at our future generations, isn't it ironic that, that your career, there was a point in time where mm-hmm. you did a project on the Freedom Riders, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. w- what that looked like. And yep. now where we are with these future generations and needing Mm -hmm. to start at the ground level in the schools and start, you know, paying attention to their needs and Mm -hmm. what it, what, what an inclusive work environment looks for them, looks like for them, what an inclusive world looks like for them. Um, So I thought that was important to just mention that and very funny. I'm not even kidding you. My mentor that kind of got me where I am today and and in the work I'm doing, I actually um, help her, on the Freedom Writers, do a book edit. Um, and we didn't, I don't, well, I didn't finish with it to get it, to get it kicked off the ground. She may have moved forward after that, but yeah. that was one of my uh, entry level things that I, that I helped her with. So it mm-hmm. really stood out to me that we're talking about um, our next generations and what it looks like for them and creating a world that, that works with and for them. Um, yep. My next question for you was, you know, what would you personally like to see happen in our communities, uh, especially with women's empowerment? Um, And I want to ask you tips that you could share for these women to kind of find their space in the world and their jobs. But before I hit that, you Mm -hmm. said something that I feel like kind of starts that conversation. And you mentioned the non-traditional, you know, students and what it looks like for them to work and be in school and and whatever else they're having to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that could be, you know, a piece of that, but I don't want to speak for you. So can you kind of elaborate there and just tell us, especially for women, um, what you want to see in our communities and what tips do you have for for them to kind of own their space at work and, and kind of, you know, just move forward in their careers or wherever they want to be yeah so i would say no for the so the non-traditional piece i think that's where the the women's empowerment definitely really shown through in the past couple of years because i think about the fact that you know like with us you know the five or six of us if we include 
uh, Dr. Henry, um, but mm-hmm. all of us together, you know, we we bonded with each other. We all in different states and yeah. time zones and places <laughs> in life and stuff, yeah. but we lean on each other and we found it, you know, um, it kind of solidified when we finally met in person. And so, you know, we haven't even seen each other in person in some time, but I mean, you wouldn't know that from the way we message each other and talk to each other. Right, and I think right. that's important even at work. Um, so when I was working on, cause I moved to um, Kentucky in the middle of us working on our uh, doctorate and my community was the black women of the black caucus at my institution and whatnot. So like uh, Dr. Carver, who my office is actually named after and everything, she very much, she's a um, mentor and, you know, guiding kind of person. Uh, Dr. Maxie, who is the Dean of Students or whatnot, she, you know, is a little older than we are, but, you know, very much big sisterly. And so, you know, they were, you know, they were the ones cheering me through as I was trying to get done and stuff like that. And, but they all all worked. They all worked while they were in school. And matter of fact, in Dr. Carver's case, she didn't even start her bachelor's until she was already a, a mother. Right, you know, right, yeah. so, you know, you just kind of lean on the experiences of women that can identify like you. Um, but I've even found some community in, you know, the uh, the doctoral students that are at my institution or whatnot you know, I've helped try to build community for them because a lot of them are working professionals and juggling being doctoral students and stuff like that. And see, they have one up on us. They have to go to class every weekend, like in person. And so, you know, trying to support them and, you know, connect with them and just provide a community. But um, even in terms of um, just trying to find your way at work and everything. Cause the one thing I think I've really developed in the past probably year and a half is I'm going to be me, my authentic self at work. And sometimes that authentic self is a big Afro, you know, my funky glasses, all these different things, or, you know, it's a headscarf. Cause that's the, probably one of the first questions I actually asked when I started mm-hmm. my institution to our AVP. I said, do you have a problem with his scars? And he was like, is it going to stop you from working? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, then I don't have a problem with it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because I like wearing head scars. And so, you know, being your authentic self will allow you to feel more comfortable in your work. So, you know, every so often I have on a little something that ties to, you know, some things about me. You know, maybe it's a turtle for my sorority. Maybe it's, a, you know, some colors for my OES stuff. You know, I mm-hmm. don't hesitate to let folks know Dr. Dixon <laughs> and mm-hmm. um because it'll be on like a mug or a t-shirt or something like I'm mm-hmm. I'm just owning myself and all parts of me and I think that's important as you um really try to find yourself or whatnot and then of yeah. course don't be afraid to find mentorship in places you wouldn't necessarily seek mentorship because I think some of the beautiful things that's happened um, is how you get put in contact with people and you don't realize that they need to be your mentor until it's like, hmm, I think they ought to be good. Like, you know, I still, it wasn't too long ago that I actually talked to um, my dissertation chair. So I talked to Dr. Poole when I was trying to figure out, you know, the job move because she she does work in DEI. She did work in DEI. Mm-hmm. Um, I also hit, hit up one of our professors and everything because he's a vice president of DEI, the institution, like when I was trying to figure out what does my next move look like, you know, I talked to the people that are in the space and everything. I, yeah, utilize the network that we already had established by being students 
to now help me with the professional bit. Um, and I think that's the thing that we have to think about is like, which network do you already have established? It could be someone at church. Yeah, it could be yeah. someone, you know, a friend of a friend or whatnot. Um, it could be through your sorority or some social organization or whatever. Like there's someone within those that can help you figure out what that next move is. And then um, yeah. when in doubt, you know, I always start with the with the base level. You went to, mm-hmm. you know, if you went to school, you have a network through school. You, right. you, use your friends, use your colleagues from your institution or whatnot. Um, and then, of course, you know, own up to who you are and where you are right then. Because mm-hmm. the beautiful thing I love about some of the women that I work with now is they're, they'll tell you I'm struggling because, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a new mother and I'm trying to be in school or I'm this and I'm trying to do this. And so, you know, like even this weekend, um, I'm actually watching the little boy for a friend of mine and she is out, you know, at Las Vegas and going to a concert and all this other stuff. And she was just like, you know, I, she almost canceled her trip. And I was just like, no, I will, I will watch him and yeah. go, go have fun, go do the thing or whatever. And vice versa. She's helped me become more secure of myself as a DEI professional. So, I mean, that's what yeah. you do. You just yeah. really kind of rest in some things. And then, at the end of the day, you know, you take a little risk here and there because um, in the middle of my email um, at work is the John Lewis quote about, you know, doing some things and causing good trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. I just really like to utilize the fact that we are scholars, we are academics. So I will uh, shake up the system and give you a citation to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Uh this has been so rewarding and so powerful because you know, we definitely keep our sister circle chat going. Mm-hmm. Um, Tosh, Donna, you know, Gabby, all of us. And then I have, you know, our Dr. Henry spent a lot of time supporting each other through all the changes of life, um, engagements, babies being born. It's so many things, somebody working on a project, getting promoted at work, Mm -hmm. but I have not had the chance to sit and talk to y'all like this. And so I'm talking to each one of you. I'm bringing all y'all on because- Honestly, I can't keep that to myself. You know, everything you just said is the epitome of why, you know, I can't, I can't keep great women doing great things that can help somebody Mm -hmm. that can mentor to somebody that can edify to someone's spirit. And just when they're at that moment of give up or that moment of tired or that moment of I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough or whatever. I Mm -hmm. can't keep that to myself when I know there's so many women who shared their story. And so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for doing this with me. Definitely probably will do a part two with you because there's (laughs) no way I could break down everything we talked about. Um, But with that, where can our listeners follow you for more info, Dr. Dixon, or connect with you, especially those in the KY area? So if you're in Kentucky, I will say, or especially in Louisville, um, you know, definitely check out the Dr. Patricia Carver Office of Identity Inclusion website. Um, My information is up there. I love getting emails from people. Um, I actually did a presentation and folks have contacted me that way. So if you go to that website, so it's bellaman.edu slash OII. 
um, my work email is there. But if you are more of a, hey, I want to c- connect with you now, um, definitely find me on LinkedIn. It's Emily P. Dixon. Um, and I am T underscore Aspirer, A-S-P-I-R-E-R 227 on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, I'll be the first one to be to say that, you know, I don't have the, t- the separate, you know, one is academic and one is my personal. Nope. You get what you get all the time. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, you might see me talking about award shows and then I'm going to hit you with a DEI article. So that's just what it is. So it's T underscore Aspirer227 on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Um, So ladies, just to recap really quick, to always leave you with a couple of tips from the session today, remember to engage in active listening, share your stories, reaching back and paying it forward. Um, Begin to learn the whole person, you know, try not to make those snap judgments. Uh, In combating issues, when we're talking DNI, we must start talking about the future generation. Um, and that's not just DNI, it's just, it's just so many things in this world as our world is changing and we're building future leaders. Have conversations with our youth. It is so important. Um, don't get blocked into this space of they need to catch up to us because at some point they will be the us. Uh, be authentic, own your full self. I so love that what uh, Dr. Dixon talked about, about being your full self at work, um, you know, wherever you are, uh, social media, whatever, bring your full self in. Um, I actually do have two different uh, Instagram accounts, but that's because I'm running businesses over here and it just helps me keep myself <laughs> organized. But y'all can follow me anywhere. Uh, find community with those you identify with to help you find your space. Look for mentorship in spaces you wouldn't naturally think to seek. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Dixon. And as I close out, thank you for joining us in the suite. Don't forget to follow the We Sweet podcast on your favorite listening platform and add me on Insta at Dr. Dakeese L. It's the podcast bio if you don't know how to spell that. <laughs> so just check out the podcast bio. But again, that's Dr. Dakis L. Follow, follow me on Insta. Uh, I love you, sis. Thank you so much for doing this. Love you too, sis. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.